A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage and Bell of the Belt <laughs> review. I'm Adam Wilmore from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to read everything that happened on Friday's episodes of AEW Rampage and Bell of the Bells Father. Uh, but before <laughs> we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT Dubai. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to review Rampage and Battle of the Belts. I'm going to sound really patronizing here. What two bloody great shows! Two absolutely fantastic shows. I am going to, I think, and bear in mind this is me talking about AEW, I'm going to sound, when I record this podcast, like such a goddamn mark, right? <laughs> that, one, for my own reputation, I feel like it's necessary to do this. And because I really want to point this out. I'm going to start out this review of two incredibly well-received shows by having a bit of a piss and moan, right? Okay. I, when was it? November-ish. Remember tweeting when Athena threw down Aubrey Edwards on Rampage and on a show that at the time was absolutely dead in terms of the noise, interest level, buzz, whatever, was like shocked at how much of a pop that generated. And I was so impressed because they'd been so observant of a kind of an unwritten rule. We are going to treat our referees Mm. with respect. Yes, they're idiotic. Even by the standards of a wrestling referee, their characters are pretty stupid, but they're not just... Russo-esque targets of heat, 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 beat them up, beat them up, beat them up. They'd been, even if they didn't have any credibility in terms of the audience and how they were seen to uphold the rules, the wrestlers at least had respect for them. Obviously, they would cheat in around them, they would try and fool them, but they would never lay their hands on them. So when Athena did, it was a massive deal, and I was so impressed by their, because AEW, as much as I love it, it's an extremely excessive promotion. There's no getting Mm. around that. But I thought, you know what, if they can just use this sparingly, they've globbed onto something, glommed onto something yeah, yeah. rather here. And then there's been the odd example here and there since that, and I thought, all right, okay, they've now fallen head over heels with how effective this is, <laughs> and my worry is that they're going to keep doing it until it just becomes yet another thing that just gets a reaction, mm. but nothing like the reaction that Athena got. There was an element in the tag team title match, jumping ahead to Battle of the Belts, where I thought, you son of a bitch, that is genius. Oh yeah, that is. Oh my god, I can't believe you. I I can't believe you've done this. And then I loved it, and I thought, ah, oh, you've ruined it a bit because you've realised how effective it is. And when you realise in wrestling how effective something is, wrestlers who are 
absolute brazen carnies obsessed with the high and chasing the reaction <laughs> yeah. are going to run this bloody device into the ground. I'll have a quick moan, and then we'll get on with it, because it's going to be praise from here on out, basically. And I'm not suggesting that there was a... Well, there was a match on the sh- on Battle of the Brios that I thought could have a title change that we talked about. But I think this is just big picture stuff, hopefully, that will change with Battle of the Bells going forward, because I thought this is one of the best ones that they'd had. Um, how about more title changes on Battle of the Belts, basically? Or at least fe- feasible title changes. Like, the fun we're going to have talking about that Jade Cargill match, at no point did I think, Cargill might get this one, right? So stop just putting effectively Rampage squashes or uh, certain Rampage squashes on Battle of the Belts. Let's have some title changes now, because we've had... I think I worked out two in 15 matches. And one of the title changes was a vacant title, so I'm not allowed. So yeah. one in 14 matches, effectively. Um, but that aside, I had a great time watching this. Honestly, this was tremendous. Like, I would say this was better than tremendous, given the resources they had. But I'll, get, I'll, I'll elaborate upon that. How many, not to backhand a compliment here, how many good rampages do you reckon we had in the last six months of <sighs> 2022? Thing, if you ask that question with dynamite, even amid all out and full gear, there was some stuff that had a shadow cast over it, mm-hmm. but you were still the quality never really dipped. The quality did didn't really dip, it was less than its best, and there was a shadow cast over it. But you still were thinking, Man, these are really delivering some eight out of ten dynamites under arduous circumstances. So, if you ask me that question about dynamite, I would give you a mark answer and say, I've lost bloody count. <laughs> That's how good it is with Rampage. Because even when it's pretty damn good over delivery seven stuff, it's just not memorably good. It's not unforgettably good. It's just good. So I really can't remember. Well, this is the reason why I asked that is, and I'm including Battle of the Belts as part of it, which is sort of cheating. But like, I took so many things away from this show. Whereas normally we come in here, and even if it's a good rampage with, you know, a, a big a Moxley match on it or whatever, we'll do this. And then we'll walk downstairs and my brain, a bit like with NXT, every single week will go, you never need to remember this information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Dynamite stuff, you can recall something. You're better than me, obviously. But you can say something from March 2022 Dynamite. And I'll go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Whereas if you said, oh, do you remember the October Rampage where this happened? I'd be like... No, it was good, I'm unless, sure. Unless it was like the Halloween one and someone was dressed as a pumpkin, then I yeah, might yeah, remember. Yeah. But like so many takeaways, and, and I'll, st- I'll dive straight into it because this is part of it, because Rampage opens with uh, Moxley and Danish and the Black- two members of the Blackpool Combat Club versus Top Flight in a match that I thought, well, we said in the preview, there's only going to be one winner here, it's Moxley, he's just about to fight Hangman Page, Danielson obviously has to keep winning to face uh, MJF. And yeah, I left this thinking... Cool, future tag team champions mm-hmm. there. And I'm not talking about Moxley and Danielson. I thought Top Flight were great, and I'm just I'm praying to whatever God you believe in. No more injuries for, for Dante or for Darius. Uh, I, thought, I thought Darius almost looked like potentially a good single star going forward as well. I know because all the attention's been this on is Dante. This his best perhaps. performance in AEW so far. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the show starts. No messing about on this show. Obviously, lots to get through. You saw that with the way that I liked it, quite perfectly honest that the way that Rampage just bled into Battle of the Belts and Derby's still there. Spoilers. Um, so, yeah, uh, Moxie's making his entrance. Danielson's presumably already come out for the huge pair for the crowd. Uh, Dante just dives through the ropes onto Moxley to, to kick the match off. Danielson uh, comes to the outside and hits a plancher on Dante and Darius. Um, and then Danielson gets chucked into the ring barricade. Um, 
Blackpool Combat Club take over. Dante's going to get hit with a top rope Hurricane Rana, but Dante Martin flips out and lands on his feet. Ricochet-esque is the best way I can describe that, which is probably the highest compliment he can uh, receive. Um, they square off. Big brawl in the center of the ring. Um, yeah, Dante and Darius potentially submitting their applications for Blackpool Combat Club with the way this match went. Uh, but obviously the BCC take over in a brawl. They fight to the floor. Um, Danielson whips Darius into a steel chair and just nails him with kicks. Um, there was a bit here. Was it here? Yeah, it was here. I think it was Dante. Danielson gets back in the ring with him. Uh, was this before, before or like after? Where they put him on the chair outside and just got killing him. <laughs> anyway, Danielson gets Dante in the ring. Romero special into a dragon sleeper and then into like forearms. And I went... Well, I guess this is the finish then. I thought, well, there's, no, there's no way you're getting out of that. Yeah. Um, but Moxley comes in, bats in with more kicks, hits a superplex for a near fall, cross-arm breaker, tags in Danielson. Um, I think they go to a break there when we come back. Danielson and Moxley goes for a double kick, uh, but Dante drops out of the way, tags Darius, and Darius looks like a huge house of fire when he comes in. Um, Danielson tries to fire back up, charges at Darius for a clothesline, but he ducks and catches him with a beautiful Spanish fly. In comes Dante, forward moonsault onto Moxley for a near fall. Moxley goes to suplex Darius, but Dante flips his brother over Moxley. Oh, my God. And he hits her. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? But also... Oh, my God. <laughs> um huge frog smash off the top from Darius, uh, but Moxley catches him and rolls through with it into the hammer and anvil uh, elbows and then hits that King Kong lariat that, well, we've seen what damage that can do. Danielson gets the blind tag. Moxley goes for a death rider on Dante, but Dante flips out of it. Um, Darius gets caught with a Busaiku knee for a near fall. Uh, Moxley takes out Dante with a double axe handle on the floor, and Danielson puts the regal stretch on Darius, who passes out. A victory for Danielson and Moxley, but it was hard fought. I was stunned by how good this match was. I've said it countless times across various podcasts. The brilliance within pro wrestling of this century, this decade rather, and the end of last decade, has become so normal to me that I've just become a spoiled... Yeah spoiled man who just gets not bored by but i am numb to really 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 good pro wrestling it is just the standard now it, anything less is just a wild disappointment or an aberration mm. even so i can sometimes hand on heart just get bored by really good stuff <laughs> because that's the bare minimum now I was. This was a great, great tag team match, but it was so unbelievably clever. Hot take, AEW's cooking, right? <laughs> AEW's on fire. That was like Chris Jericho, to his credit, was really trying to get that over. Uh, it's not a catchphrase, but like as a, a way to capture this momentum. Mm. You should say, this company's on fire. Listen to the crowd. Look at the action. On fire, on fire. He kept on at that, and, you know, as he should. And it is. It absolutely is. Like the level of thought that went into... I would say four matches or five across these two hours mm -hmm. of television. It was unbelievable. I was so taken by it. I was so impressed by it. This was so ambitious and so intelligent, really improbably dramatic. But in terms of the layout, yeah, you'd expect this with Danielson and Moxley patrolling it. But this was a real key bit of evidence into why Danielson in particular is such a goddamn genius. Across this match and the way in which it was uh, scaffolded, you 
got every single babyface characteristic from Top Flight mm. and another scanned as other oh, logical thing to do because in AW we like to give the losers something in defeat so that the results are decisive, but the losing act gets something to mm-hmm. take with yeah. a little bit of respect from the crowd every um town over. Like even by the standards of how WW uh, how AEW, not WWE, how <laughs> AEW lays out a TV match with a predictable winner and loser, even by the standards of their Really admirable philosophy. This was absolutely tremendous. So they have balls at the start. They have intelligence at the start. You know they're going to get killed. So why not try and kill them faster in more spectacular fashion? First, the wit shown by Top Flight in their agility with the escapes and when to do it. Like they had them bamboozled. They had two of the cleverest professional wrestlers and hardest professional wrestlers in the world bamboozled. And the bit with the when they kicked each other in the shins, oh, not yes. only was that great baby face smarts, but because everyone's had their shin hurt, so you felt it as well. So it had this, yeah, really that little egg when you do it playing yeah, football. Oh god, so you have this real visceral effect of that move. That was tremendous, and I just thought that this match sort of mutated into something special as it unfolded. Like sometimes, right? This is a bit of sacrilege, but I don't mind doing it now in the context of this review. Sometimes I find that. When Danielson holds the hands and stamps on the head, and when Moxley does the hammer and anvil elbows, sometimes it doesn't look that good. Mm-hmm. It's hard to shoot a stamp on someone's face, yes. so you don't do it. It's hard to work it so it looks like it wouldn't a real fight. The way that they were doing the hammer and anvil elbows on these lads in this match was like, right, they have to do this really hard because the story they're telling, which it's quite ambitious, like demands that they really lay this in. Otherwise, you're Mm. not going to put them away. There was a beautiful like Japanese wrestling flavor to that, which I just absolutely adored. And uh, two more things. My favorite bit was like Danielson's quite a humble professional wrestler who will give and give and give. But when he knows how to turn it on in his favor, he knows how to cast himself as nothing more than, nothing less than the best professional wrestler ever. He's up there for me. He's on my Rushmore. But in terms of the character, his character is the best wrestler ever. Um, His Busaiko knee from that Irish whip, in 0.5 seconds, he was so clever and so instinctive that he came up with a counter for one of the more unique out of nowhere Irish whips you're likely to mm. see. It just, the swing of momentum took my breath away. The character work was brilliant because only Danielson's clever enough to come up with a counter from like the most acute of spaces. This match was unbelievable. Yeah. So, so, so clever. Had so many ideas packed into it, but it never felt cute. Never felt like a reach. The baby faces got over and defeat in their best performance in AEW, but you never thought Mox and Danielson gave them too much because yeah. it didn't feel like they were giving them anything. And one more thing before we move on. I watched both shows like staggered because it's just the way you have to do it when you're a parent. Sometimes you can't have two hours of your weekend because yeah. it's all for the kids. So I watched this match when my kids were already awake because I needed to lie in on the Saturday. And James, who... Bless him. Seven years old. I've shown him some wrestling before. And he really got into Gunther Sheamus. Oh, yeah. I got him in there. You know, there's a ginger guy. Because my <laughs> son's ginger. And it's like, hey, there's a ginger guy who's really good at wrestling. I'll show you. So he really was taken with that. But I do think, bless him, when I show him any kind of pro- professional wrestling match, there's a performative, he wants to like what his dad mm-hmm. likes sort of thing. And it's so sweet. 
I've never seen him taken earnestly with a wrestling match. He loves top flight. Oh, he brilliant. He was wowed by top flight. That might be the way in for him to actually like yeah. pro wrestling. And I'm not saying, I know, top, top flight of the new air, Hogan, Austin, Rock. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I know it's as anecdotal as it gets, but that act connected yeah. with my uh, non-fan son more than anything I've ever shown him. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I realised I said earlier, oh, future tag team champions. It's not that I thought they'd never win the tag team titles prior to this match, but I saw the match where they win the tag titles in this, or elements yeah, of that, no, in this no. match. This is like those old WWE bio DVDs, the three disc set where they go, oh, McMahon screwed up this character. And then <laughs> because he was so good, he eventually got over. That's the story of virtually all of them. If this was an incompetent organization who had to produce those DVDs, this match would be, that's when we really knew we had something. Yes. Um, Hangman Page is out in the parking lot and he's oh got... Oh, my them. God. Oh, my God. He's got paperwork. He's cleared for Wednesday. Uh, and he says, it's a good bloody job they cleared me for Wednesday because otherwise I'd have just fought you anyway because I'm tired of bloody waiting. Um, I'm going to beat you, Moxie, on Wednesday. I'm going to beat you so bad that you remember it. And if I do... Oh, what a line. If, you, if I do what you did to me, I'll make sure you remember it because I'm going to... Well, I think one of the phrases was, burn a copy of it onto VHS and send it to your house so you can watch it in your dirty basement with the rest of Oh, my God. Awesome. Didn't need any more selling this thing awesome. for Wednesday, does it? Well, the threats were... It kind of did, I think, after Dynamite. I think people's lasting impression of that um, promo duel were it was just cased by terrible oh, yeah, production issues. So I did think it needed one more promo to really get fans hyped. And again, Hangman Page, much like Moxley, in fact, he kind of drew inspiration from him here. He just paints such a great picture like a visual image of the threat, just made it feel badass. It was just Hangman Page cuts babyface promos like magic these days. Yeah. More of this should have happened during his title run. The uh, Yeah, I agree. The, the Moxley-esque element to it as well had me thinking, as I often do with Moxley, is Hangman Page just going to walk to Los Angeles and just chuncher to himself yeah, yeah. and wind himself up more and more, whether he's on his, on his walking or he's on his horse. Maybe he'll ride there. Just like that. Kill that when I get my hands on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The time he's taken away from me. I finally got cleared. I fucking take his fucking head off. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, it was Jamie Hayter and Britt Breaker versus the uh, Renegade Twins. Uh, a lot of licking, at, uh, kicking ass in this match. <laughs> That's all I could think about. Make sure you do the line. I thought the uh, Renegade uh, yeah. Twins, uh, was it Charlotte? Charlotte, that was weird for me. Yes. My daughter's called Charlotte. Mm. Stop getting her name wrong. <laughs> But I that's thought, our actual name, so I was an idiot. Yeah, I thought they were they were not. I was going to say surprising, not because I thought they'd be rubbish, but because I thought, well, this is a squash if I ever did see it. But no, they got a decent amount of offense in here, um, while simultaneously making Jamie Hayter in particular look awesome. Britt Baker's entrance looked amazing here. It was also a bit of Britt Baker had this entrance that was so good that I was like. You're overcompensating for the fact your mate's got the championship. Yeah, like the, the loving, <laughs> loving detail in all of this is just tremendous. It actually feels like a real friendship. Yeah, I thought so good about it. Kevin Nash esque. Remember when he had all the? Yeah, yeah. And he's just looking. It's like, come on, lads. <laughs> that was Britt Baker's entrance here, which is um, yeah, worked perfectly with what's going on here. Uh, yeah, and then he get in there, and crowd obviously hugely in in haters' favor, and. 
Then the Renegade Twins, Charlotte takes control early on. It looks like they're going to double suplex her. And then Jamie Hayter just reminds everyone why she's world champion. Reversing it, suplexing both of them at once. We go to a break. We come back. Uh, Robin Renegade. There we go. I knew I'd find the, her name. Um, gets Hayter, hits her with a, an, an enziguri. Tags in Charlotte, who uh, runs wild. Hits Hayter with a flapjack. Baker with a spine buster. And uh, gets a near fall off the back of a fisherman suplex. Um, but then Baker fights back, double underhook, Falcon Arrow. Charlotte tries to fight her off, uh, but she got hits, gets hit with elbows from just all directions. Then I think it was the low lariat from uh, Jamie Hayter and the curb stomp from Britt Baker for the one, two, three. Nicely laid out. Again, it was like almost a diminished version of what we'd just seen, but it was so hot and so out of nowhere, really quite good that it got over as a result. <coughs> really physical stuff. Yeah. Like it felt snug. There are certain times in AEW's women's division where, again, I've said this so many times, where Tony Khan doesn't get, with his very, very, very patient approach, that the wrestlers who work the stars are, in most cases, not as good as... I've used this example all the time. The Dustin Rhodes, Tony Nese, Lee Moriarty triangle, where you've got <laughs> aged vet... In his prime mid-card hand, emerging ultra-talented rookie, where he can use any points of that triangle and slot them in against mm -hmm. a pushed actual star that you want to have a win booked for. So this match, on paper, seemed to fall into the, do we need to see this? Is this going to accomplish anything? Is it going to be uh, any good? And the answer to all those three rhetorical questions were yes, yes, and yes. Because <laughs> it's just snug, it was dramatic, it felt like a breakthrough. Yeah. Um, and I don't merely think it was just a good feeling from the first match or the fact that it was live. It felt like if something wasn't happening here, then something could very much happen for the Renegades in the weeks and months mm -hmm. to come. I agree. Um, if I'm booking this and I'm Tony Khan, I'm very much taking note of this performance. Absolutely. Uh, we get a promo from the House of Black. Uh, Malachi Black talking about missing his friend, Eddie Kingston, the, the sadistic, violent version of that, at least. Um, Brody King said he's going to turn Kingston's eyes black, and then they leave, and Julia Hart's there, and she says, House of Black's here to help you, Eddie. Um, we got a little bit on this later. I'm going to try and merge these two promos together because we got a sort of response. I think it was on Battle of the Belts from, uh, yeah, from Kingston and Ortiz. And Ortiz is pissed off that House of Black is still talking in riddles, but only mentioning Eddie Kingston. And he's a bit sideways with all that and looks a bit at Eddie Kingston, who says, look, we're going to face him on next Friday. We'll sort it out, sort our issues out after that. House of Black attempting to recruit Eddie Kingston, are they? Well, it's weird because uh, I hope not. I don't like, again, it's the end recruitment angle at this point. Yeah. So that's irritating. I would... I'm going to let this play out. I don't know what's going on, but I want there to be a ready-made trios unit ready to face whomever wins match seven, and hopefully mm. it's the elite at this point, because I've got memories of... Basically, I'm in full Kenny Omega mode. What T-shirt am I wearing, Will Ball? It's a very nice... You said you've worn this before. I've just never picked up on it. It's video game inspired. It's all everything Omega. It's got the finger. It's got the wing. It's got the... Omega sign, obviously. It's Looks very, great. It's very fetching. Yeah. So I'm in a full Omega mark mode right now. Don't blame you. I want them to win the best of seven. I want Kenny Omega to be presented as nothing less than the star that he evidently is. And they've gone from um, House of Black, very much insinuating without saying the loud part, 
We're coming after the elite very, very slowly, but we're biding our time. We're lurking in the shadows, and you know, and then they've just done some weird, almost inscrutable, inscrutable stuff with Ortiz and Eddie Kingston that I'm not there, I'm not with yet. Mm. Um, I don't get it. I will let it play out, but I preferred the House of Black when they were heavily intimating that watch out the elite because we're going to kill you because. The various combinations that are all fantastic, like Brody King and Kenny Omega working sequences. Yet these nuts. I've changed it. I'm sorry for something. <laughs> We're nearly at the main event, so I've got the Mark Henry ready. Yeah, yeah. still works. Um, should actually say, actually give a bit of a warning ahead of our um, Dynamite review on Thursday. Um, looks quite a good show. If you've seen the, uh, if you've seen the card, uh, it's too good. Looks suspiciously good. I'm scared. So. If they pull this off, just a warning about Sidgwick on that podcast, because A, you could, like you say, have arguably the best dynamite ever, potentially, if all goes to plan. You could have, yeah, Moxley, Hangman, and of course the the resolution, as you say, of the best of seven series, um, you know, everything, uh, to uh, Danielson, that's what I was trying to think of. Add on to that, right, if the Elite win, not only will you be happy about the Dynamite and the Elite winning and getting the Trios championships, you'll be hopped up on coffee as well, won't you? Yes. Because there is a bet. We have good brews bets now. Yeah. We used to have pasty bets, but now no one ever goes to Greg's for their dinner, <laughs> no. really. Um, even though they should, because it's awesome. Yes. But it was never like... I know they never got fulfilled quickly enough no. for me. But... People it was have, not if you owed someone, it was you going out of your way, like you said. Yes, but now there's a culture where people just get coffee yeah. quite regularly, so we'll change it to coffee. But I've said that the elite are going to win the best of seven. I've got a coffee bet with Hamlet, um, so hopefully... Not doing well be. recently with coffee bets. I'm such an insufferable prick as well. Like, as soon as Wrestle Kingdom finished, like, me and Hamlet have got this kind of worked shoot where we kind of believe it a bit more than we let on, <laughs> but in our... Little silly tribal camps between um, CM Punk and the Elite. Mm-hmm. He's very much Team CM Punk. He prefers them. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. You can see the argument. The second that we all sat down to watch um, Wrestle Kingdom in the break room together, the second that Kenny Omega pinned Will Ospreay with a one-winged angel, I just clocked eyes with Hamlet and went, oh, let's see your boy CM Punk have a match as good as that. Couldn't in his life. And, <laughs> just, and then just walked out. <laughs> like an absolute nerd bitch. <laughs> Uh, right, what came next on Rampage? Oh, it was time for... So, all going well. Mm. Hopefully, that, those are the scenes. It's going to be so good. You just slurp... I know people don't maybe don't like that, but I, I fully encourage you, if you win that, to slurp the Elite Coffee on, on the pod on Thursday. Uh, yeah, what came next was... I want to try and get this right. Perro Perigroso. Uh, that being Preston Vance. Uh, this, this is his first official match of the LIJ, isn't it? I, th- I don't know, maybe. I maybe? I think that's what they said. Anyway, it was very brief against Sonico. Um, it was a squash, 42 seconds, in fact. Spinebuster, Full Nelson, Discus Lariat, simple stuff. Uh, but then because he's a real bastard eel, uh, he goes after the mask and drags him up the ramp and tries to expose his, his face. I really like this. A simple squash for what it was, but... I don't hate this. With the idea being that he can rip off uh, Serpentico's mask next, and then Fuego's, and then he can try it to do with the Evil Uno, who I miss in the ring very much, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't work, and then he blew off the story once and for all with the LFI versus Dark Order. I wasn't that taken by the squash. 
there's uh, still something about Peregrosso, Preston Vance, where it doesn't feel like he's killing people in there, even mm. though that's what the character's trying to convey. Like it, it feels like he's lowering people down for his hit a spine buster here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like he's lowering them down a bit, or it's like staggered, or he's trying to protect them. He doesn't yet have that knack, and again, he barely works. Mm. That's a problem with AEW and so many of their young prospects and rookies is that they don't work enough to get this muscle memory, like, the most natural thing in the world for them is to just look like they're killing people, but in fact protecting them. He still looks like he's protecting them. Again, it's a core issue. Apparently, Jeff Jarrett's been hired in the role so that they can do much smaller towns. You'd expect they should do some kind of a Largo loop. Yes. Where on the Tuesday night, because this run of dark and elevation things just isn't happening, if every Tuesday... Some of the production staff can hit the town a day early and they can work a nightclub or a high school gym or somewhere that would ordinarily house um, an indie show, a rec center. <laughs> and then someone like Preston Vance can work week in, week out in matches of decent length. Then he can rid himself of that training school deal where he's like, right, okay, he's just not there yet. Yeah. And this was evident for me in the squash. I did like the bit where that's very simple heel stuff. He hit like maybe hit the spine muster, and then went to do the ten. <laughs> you know, suck it! That's the thing. He's got a presence. He's got his character he's got a down. Look. Oh my god, that he's got face. a good look guy. But uh, yeah, the, the ring work with time. Hopefully, it will come. Uh, so just before the main event, they show how he got how it got set up, which we were like, "How do you?" I hope not. <laughs> we were we were laughing at this in the office uh, the other day. I think possibly before uh, Rampage where Rene Paquette's backstage, this wasn't aired on TV, obviously, until now, uh, with, with TNT champion Darby Allen. He's got his big coat on with his big hood up, and he's just finished, and she's like, Darby Allen, hometown, TNT championship regained, how do you feel? I, he literally says, I think he says, he says two words, and I think they might be, I feel. <laughs> Before Mike, then he goes, <laughs> great win, guy, uh, interrupts, obviously, and, and sets up this match. I, and think about the ground this covers with the rest of the kingdom, I can't take my eyes off Matt Taven. He's what? awesome. Why is that? Yeah, is it just... I think he's, just, I think he's a great wrestler. Yeah. And I think... A and lot no, no offence to Mike Bennett or Maria, obviously. Mike Bennett was awesome in this match. Yeah. Um, Taven, God bless him, was not the guy to win the match. That was the most famous ROH match for its time and for all the infamous... Infamous, you were there. realistically. I was there. Mm. And he's been getting pelters ever since. He became like a meme and a joke, quite frankly. And it's, uh, in retrospect, that has revealed to be incredibly unfair. Mm. And maybe if I was to take, do, I did a few jokes about those ROH seat maps. Uh, he had to live with that. He had to be the guy who's, wasn't his fault. Mm. It was really good. It was the booker's fault. I think a lot of people did go out to bully Ray. <laughs> but I think he got a little bit of the backdraft, did um, Taven. And hopefully this, rehabilitation of his credibility can continue along with Bennett's because I think they're a very good act. Mm. And it doesn't help that they are like the 17th act too many mm. in AEW. If this version of this faction rocked up in like January 2020, you'd be like, right, this is awesome. Yeah. That kind of optimism and sort of buzz can't possibly be there because of everyone else's signed subsequently. But my God, what an act. Mm. Uh, so we have a, the back and forth between the two of them. Mike Bennett promises to show who Mike Bennett really is. Uh, and 
Darby Allen says, yeah, come and take the TNT Championship from me, basically. Over to Mark Henry. Well, looks like we've had enough talk. It's time for the main event. 250k, probably. 100k at a minimum, but probably 250k. You should work out how much he gets paid per word. Yes, we should. Is the Arnie, I think, from like Terminator 2 or something? Someone worked out a ridiculous amount. I'm going to Google that yeah. as you talk about this match. Um, Darby Allen doesn't skate out waving, kissing babies and what have you because he's still buggered from the title match he had on Wednesday. He's got his. I'll tell you what, that hood looked great for when it's pissing down with rain because you know, sometimes you put the hood up and you're like, ah, oh, that's protecting me. But then if the rain's going sideways, ah, oh, bloody hell, it's getting in my glasses. <laughs> but not that big hood. Invest in one of those. Anyway, uh, he's selling the injuries. Um, and huge uh, crowd reaction, of course, for Darby Allen. Um, but Bennett looked great, as you said, in this match. Targets the injured knee, the injured leg of, uh, of Darby Allen, of course, sends him to the floor, chucks him into the barricade, boots him. Um, so uh, Darby Allen fires back up as they go back into the ring, hits a drop kick, goes for his low pay, but Matt Taven uh, pushes Bennett out of the way and eats the move himself. Uh, this allows Bennett to take control on the outside, uh, and he hits a Russian leg squeak off the apron to the floor, which looked like it sucked for both of them, um, but that allowed him to take control uh, as we go to a break. We come back. Taven tries to interfere again, but Darby Allen chases him off with a chair. Um, Darby Allen puts Bennett on the chair, and I thought, where are you going? What are you going to do up there? And he comes off the top uh, with a huge shotgun drop kick to a seated Mike Bennett on the floor, which looked great. Um, get back in the ring. Darby Allen sets up for the coffin drop, but Maria, um, loyal wife that she is, drapes herself over her husband's body to protect him. Darby Allen's like, I don't care. Hang on. What am I doing here? Darby Allen says, We're going to do it anyway. But as the referee's getting Maria out of the ring, Matt Taven kicks Darby Allen down, and Bennett hits a pile driver for a great near fall. Uh, he sets Darby Allen on the top turnbuckles again for a big av- avalanche pile driver this time, but Darby Allen counters into a super code red uh, and then hits the coffin drop for the victory to retain the TNT title. This was nothing less than a incredible, well-thought-out, Super dramatic over delivery of a pro wrestling match. I thought this was goddamn awesome. Some of the spots might ordinarily have scanned as like desperation or sort of grabby to make it feel like a big match, but Mike Bennett, his reputation is very, very low in professional wrestling at the moment. Of course, he's going to do absolutely reckless stuff like a um, Russian leg sweep off the apron. He's in the biggest match he could possibly have hoped to have had for the past, what, four years? Mm. He's going to do this sort of thing. It's perfectly within his character to take these risks. Um, it wasn't just the bombs, even though the bombs were spectacular. Um, like, the actual work in this match, the wrestling was liquid. It was so lovingly crafted. Like, I think, like, Darby Allen is, everyone knows that he doesn't just rely on these big stunts, even though he's daft, stupid, or brave <laughs> enough to do them, right? I think the general take on Darby Allen is, you know what, he's actually really underrated at wrestling. That's not a hot take, <laughs> because everyone knows that he is. I honestly will put Darby Allen, who's the best architects of pro wrestling in terms of laying out a match, Kenny Omega's up there as number one for me. The young books, even though they've seen better times critically, are incredible at it. FTR. Carter, even though I 
think some of the I think it's exposed his format a little bit, mm-hmm. his structure. Tanahashi was a god of it throughout the last decade. I'm thinking Darby Allen's so close to that stratosphere mm. that maybe if he had a world title run, he'd be up there in terms of how people approach his matches with a critical eye and how respected he would be. This guy is so good at putting together dramatic matches that are so lovingly detailed and get the crowd like into it massively. Yes, it was a live rampage. Yes, he was in a place adjacent to where he came up, so there's a sentimental reaction there. But he does it all the goddamn time. They were just like there was a bit where Bennett had his leg like that, and all Alan could do was just sort of swat at his face at a <laughs> distance. But as he was doing that, Bennett was just kicking him in that knee, kicking him in that knee, and it was such a unique way of attacking the limb as he should have done because it makes so much sense, but in a way that wasn't just this really methodical. Uh, meandering heat spot where he kind of has to do it because no like Darby Allen finds a way to add continuity like viciousness like is not just exemplifying his fighting spirit by selling or emoting he's just taken every single opportunity to get over as a babyface mm. in these matches and he's put to put them together so incredibly well like if you were to tell me again such a worn way of phrasing these sorts of things. If you were to tell me, what, two, three, four months ago, oh, you know, uh, Mike Bennett's going to um, headline a rampage. I was like, oh, great. And then I watched this, and I was like, this is great. Mm. This is unbelievably well-put-together, dramatic, hard-hitting, just incredibly clever, detailed pro wrestling. Um, and it just felt like a real fight, a real strategic pro wrestling match that didn't... Uh, the excitement or the prestige of the title, like what a match this was. Like honestly, like in two three years' time, this will probably be forgotten about. Mm. I personally think I'm going to remember this for a long, long time. Subjectively, if nothing else, as this masterful over delivery, I was so impressed by this match. The way the story was put together, given the predictability, how frankly low on the level of buzz that Bennett is compared to other wrestlers and in the game right now. I thought this was so unbelievably clever. I Mm. loved it. This is great. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, circling back to a point... Switching made, gears. Switching gear. We're about to switch gears to Battle of the Bells. Before we do that... Um, how much you say Mark Henry's on? He's, I reckon he's on 250k, or uh, he's on a minimum of 100k. They're not, like, you have to put that sixth figure in there to make it a respectful thing, because look, I was never a Mark Henry guy, but he's uh, immensely respected within the game. Mm. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger earned $21,000, no, $21,500 for every word in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Hey, he was jacked to the gills. So. Henry's running in pretty close there, though. Yes, he he's not jacked to the gills. <laughs> he doesn't need it. Seven hundred need the illusion, the physical illusion of power, because he's the most powerful man that ever was alive at one point. Mm. 700 words, $15 million. That's what he got. Not bad, is it? 700 words, he says. Yeah. Honestly, I thought that would be high. Yeah. God, I love T2. T2, what yeah. a film. Oh my God, the first two films I made yet. Third one, that's so I've much. never seen any other one. I've seen the third one. And I wish I hadn't. Like, can't have a Cameron film without, a Terminator film without Cameron. It doesn't nah. work. Uh, right, switching gears. At least I don't think it does. I've no. never seen them. Uh, switching gears now. Switching gears now. To uh, Bills. Um, what did you say before this podcast that you weren't going to press? He said he was so taken, listeners. He said he was so taken with the quality of these yeah. two hours of TV that he wasn't going to trivialize how good they were by pressing a button and making fun of the rampage. And now he's going, bell, bell. <laughs> yeah, I said I wasn't going to play. I'm not going to play that. Just get a little. You're edging the man. Hey, I That's just met you. This is crazy. But here's my number. This is rampage, baby. <laughs> and bell, bell. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it switches over on my streaming service. Um, and Darby Allen's still there celebrating. They're like, anyway, bollocks all that. Battlefield's time. Uh, and they were going to start off with and keep that train rolling, Sige, um, because it was time for the tag team title yeah. match. Uh, what was this one? No holds, yeah, no holds barred, this one. No bad. Uh, the Acclaimed versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And we got a Max Caster rap. I wasn't sure if he'd really have any much stuff to use. Yes, no material. But he did. Well, Jeff Jarrett, uh, called a Jarrett a victory the new January 6th. Said Jarrett is worse than Vince McMahon. Called him a stain, I think. Uh, accused Lethal. He's a stain on this business, man. Jeff Jarrett's even worse than Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Accused Jay Lethal of chowing down on uh, Sanjay Dutt's pencil. Mm, less of that. Uh, and they're going to rip him apart in Rip City. I think it was the, was the closing line here. Yeah. Big brawl breaks out. Um... The acclaimed double suplex lethal caster slides out the ring and just nails. I say nails, hits Satnam Singh, who sort of goes, Is there a gust of wind or anything? Yeah. Uh, no sells it, obviously. They set up for the scissor me timbers uh, on lethal, but Jarrett gets involved, breaks him up, shoves him off the top, basically. 
the acclaim get dumped out to the floor. And, uh, of course, Sleetal and Jarrett take that moment to do the little strut together. Um, so out of sync. Yeah, it was so, it was it's almost so, deliberately bad, yeah, I thought. But almost, like, better. Like, you, uh, what are we going out? Yeah. Hey, hey, do the thing. Rubbish. Um, go to a break, come back, Caster hits right. Not sure if you, um, I'll clue you in on it, a bit of a, a, bit of a subtle reference that Max Caster dropped here. Super kicks Jeff Jarrett, and then he did the... Angle slam. Then he, if you're not sure if you might notice this, he took down straps despite not wearing any. <laughs> and then put him in the ankle lock. And I thought, oh, yeah, very nice. And uh, Jarrett's, oh, is Jarrett going to tap? And I'm like, oh, this is the thing here. And I get where you came from with what you said at the beginning. But I'm sat there, arms folded. Sunday night, oh, very good, yeah. So here comes. Shooting this in a very specific way. Here comes Lethal off the top to take out Max Caster. Well, yeah. you, Adam, you are stupid. You got it wrong. Because instead, Lethal just top rope elbows the ref. Huge pat for the World War. I love that spot. I thought it was so good. I could take him out or the guy in the black and white, actually. Great stuff. Uh, another referee. Think if you're going to do a trope to death, do it well. This was such a fun match, man. Uh, second referee comes out. Um, I think Jarrett tries to tag Lethal, um, but Billy Gunn pulls Lethal off the apron and throws him into the barricade. So Jarrett gets his guitar. Bowen gets his boombox. Sanjay Dutt trips Bowens. He falls onto his boombox. Billy Gunn gets to the ring, grabs the guitar. Satnam Singh gets to the ring, eats a guitar shot, but sort of just is a bit uh, befuddled by it, is the nicest record, but he doesn't go down. Um... Jarrett hits Billy Gunn with the stroke. Singh chokeslams both members of the acclaim. And you think, great. Great. Go to the finish. <laughs> oh, he goes, I'm still angry and a bit wobbly because the, the guitar just <laughs> chokeslams another referee. But it's all part of the big plan, you see, because um, Satnam Singh rips the uh, referee's shirt off, hands it to Sanjay Dutt, who tries to put it on whilst he's still got his pencil. I don't know where that ended up. Um, lethal hits the lethal injection. And Sanjay Dutt, a, new, a nice sort of bit here with the way it was shot. Give credit to production for once. Uh, the way it was shot, so you, can set, you can tell something's about to happen because the crowd's getting excited. But all you can see is lethal injection, Sanjay Dutt laying quite nicely with his leg extended to the, the uh, ramp. But one, two, he gets pulled out. Who is it? Is it Billy Gunn? No. Is it one of the acclaimed? No, it's Aubrey Edwards. He's like, stop fucking trying to referee, you prick. Um, so she pulls him out of the ring, breaks his pencil, uh, throws him out. Bowens, uh, hits his twisting urinagi on lethal. Caster comes off the top with a mic drop. One, two, three. I would describe this as a flawed masterpiece of incredible, big, dumb, fun TV pro wrestling that the flaws kind of made it as well. Yeah. Right. This was big, dumb, fun emphasis on big, dumb and fun. Why were they tagging in and out? Yeah, that was a bit confusing that for me. That was a bit silly. Um, look, I kind of get what they were trying to do here. I think they were trying, even though it made no sense within its own context of a no-holds-barred match, they were trying to create the illusion of a standard tag to sucker you in to that Jay Lethal off the top rope to the um, referee spot mm. because you'd thought, all right, this is very tame and rule-abiding for a match in which there are no rules. Are oh, you? Oh, you've done that. You've yeah. done that. So maybe, if I'm being generous, there was no lapse 
in what the rules were or rather weren't and they thought if we can carefully build it in plain sight as a normal match then we'll suck them in and make you realize oh there are no rules oh my god the heels have won it so that was maybe a bit silly and I'll tell you one thing as well. It's a good job that this match, this entire feud has been a triumph. This entire feud is why Tony Khan is the best booker in pro wrestling. I've seen pro wrestling bookers, especially over the last two years, while the in-ring's been great, so many bookers have had access to great talents, Triple H, <laughs> and just barely did anything really electrifying or interesting or awesome with them. It's all about how, it's the Paul Heyman thing of how a booker can use the resources to his advantage. I think it's almost unforgivable that Triple H creates such a mostly basic and dry week-to-week product mm. with such an extravagantly talented group of players. When you compare that to what Paul Heyman did with virtual unknowns, half of whom had no talent, <laughs> right? Triple H is, uh, not Triple H, Tony Khan is the best of both worlds because he has that genius creativity within him. And he has that wonderful promotional impulse. But he also has some amazing wrestlers to work with where they can hit genius heights and the rest who are really good at a few things or whatever, he can still create magic with them. What he's doing with Jay Lethal, like think of where they were all at. Jay Lethal, uh, not only is it redundant that you brought him in because it's unnecessary, look at at the roster you've already Mm -hmm. got, but why are you giving them this massive celebration that's scanning as an exoneration when we know stories about Jay Lethal. That was mm. all very weird and the mood was bad. And then Raman Satnam's thing's debut. Yep. Gotta watch the overrun. Hey, gotta watch the overrun. The only time I've ever had an overrun uh, for him. <laughs> that was impressive. That was a bit weird. And then Jared's got that reputation. And Sanjay Dutt is a scenery-chewing goof. <laughs> the tolerance for whom is very, very um, subjective. Mileage may vary. I personally find it really annoying in the bad way. Something I can appreciate about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know, what, I don't know it what it is. I don't know what it is. You put the four of them together, <laughs> and Tony Carr makes magic. Yeah. Anthony Bones was a very promising indie wrestler who, for whatever reason, either AEW nor WWE touched when they were trying to sign everyone. And it's weird, because they're both so greedy, Tony Khan and Triple H alike, when someone slips through their net, you think, how good can they be mm. if, they're not, if they haven't been signed yet? Because they're signing everyone except these guys. Who are these guys? Caster, never want to be confused with a really good wrestler. I'm not saying every player involved in this match was just guided into these brilliant spots by the majestically great Tony Khan. Because they're all very, very talented, incredibly talented in some of their cases in their own right. But it was him who put all of these, who put both of these squads together. Billy Gunn as well. But Billy Gunn, Gunn was attacking Big Show and you were going, what? Yeah. Uh, Tony Khan put both of these units together, realized how well they would complement each other in a program, and then the players elevated the idea of the program with their brilliant individual performances. This is what I talk about when I talk about AEW being great. Mm. Like, my God, I'm going to get even more um, OTT with my praise when we get to the main event, but Tony Khan's the best book. Uh, This match was laid out in a dumb but also glorious way. Satnam Singh stumbling back from the chair shot. Oh, my God. We're going to... God damn it, Will Boy. <laughs> can't put it off at all. We don't have a bigger, like, soundboard with all the We should have a single Oh My God button there. Yes, oh yes. Uh, no, this is tremendously entertaining, even if it was a bit stupid, but you want stupidity out of this to a degree. Yeah. The Acclaimed can have a match with FTR at Revolution, or if not against them, a much more serious match at Revolution. How many times, Will Bourne, have we sat and thought, ah, oh, this is worthy, and it's necessary, and it's logical, and we need all of these things happen to happen so that the pay-per-view 
resonates. But my God, it can be a little bit slow going between the pay-per-view cycles. Yeah. This is the absolute perfection, perfected platonic ideal of what should happen between pay-per-view yes, cycles. Yes, exactly. Wildly entertaining. Low stakes, realistically. The more serious stuff can and should happen as you approach a pay-per-view, in, at least in terms of the title divisions. Keep the party matches. This is utterly perfect, incredibly entertaining, unbelievably over um, between pay-per-view cycle fair. Great. I know they don't do live shows outside of tapings and what have you, but like if they did, I'd be like, really hope they do a run back of the acclaimed and yeah, Jeff Jarrett because yeah, yeah. I've had so much fun watching this from being the guy who, like all three of us, were like, sorry, the acclaimed have got Jarrett next. I was happy for the Jarrett Sting stuff. Very nice. Now go away into the background, but hey, Michael, Ham- when he's right, he's right. Michael Hamflet, I suppose. <laughs> and I, but. Michael Hamlet, if you were to say, all right, here's here's the deal. Um, Jeff Jarrett's going to go to NXT Black and Gold circa <laughs> September yeah. 2020. Oh, it's going to be great. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, granted. Broken clock with Jarrett. But uh, to be honest, like, Jarrett has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs has got his book of Hobbs. It's sacred to him. Every ounce of blood he shed, every ounce of pain he's been in, that's in the book. And everything that's happened to him is going to happen to us. Terrifying. Yes. Um, and then we got the bit that we mentioned earlier with Ortiz responding to the House of Black stuff and blah, 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 blah. Uh, they're going to face off next, this Friday now. Um, then a match, I'll be honest, I wasn't massively looking forward to. No one, nobody was, and everyone who's pretending can hit the bricks because mm. Sky Blue was not remotely um, credible as a yeah. challenger. Sky Blue challenging Jade Cargill who had a baddie now in her corner in Layla Gray for the TBS Championship. We all know the title's not changing hands. We all know there's just going to be shenanigans involving Red Velvet and the match. Judging by, to be fair, Jay Cargill's recent performances, eh, how wrong I was. Mm-hmm. This was great. Um, Sky Blue looked good. They never thought she was ever going to win the title, despite shenanigans, etc. But still, um, Sky Blue got some good offense in, and then Cargill went, my turn. <laughs> Hit her with a forearm to the floor, big boot, then choke slams on the entrance ramp, which sounded like it killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cargill just goes, I'll just take the count out, gets in the ring. Aubrey starts making the count. Red Velvet comes out and just stands at the top of the ramp and jacks with Jade Cargill. This guy just makes it back into the ring before the 10 count. You think, why well, have you done that? Because <laughs> Cargill's going to kill you even more now. But Blue makes a comeback. Cargill, though, <laughs> after the initial comeback, just pump kicks up his head off. And Blue goes out to the floor again. Red Velvet comes down to, to motivate Sky Blue. Um, Layla Gray walks up to her to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Red Velvet just nails her. Um, and then Sky Blue gets back in. You're like, very nice. Okay, here we go. Picks her up for the jaded. Blue counters with a roll-up for a great near fall. Um, Blue also hit a code red for a two count. Comes off the ropes. Right, you're going to have to talk me through this. I think she, she goes for a, like a springboard Rana, wasn't it? And Cargill blocked it. She's so strong. She blocks it, picks her up. I'm trying to work out the, to remember the exact way. Picks her up, spins her around, <laughs> hoists her up again, gets her in position, jaded one, two, three. What a finish. 
the mega fans will have to forgive me for repeating a description I used on Twitter. It felt like she had talons and that <laughs> yes. sky blue was a mere worm. Very slippery, but ultimately food. Yes. That she picked up because the strength of her talons and the quickness of her predatory instincts was such. Oh my God, this finish was unbelievable. Like with one comeback and one incredible finish, they've kind of rehabbed the Jade Cargill yeah. character. I'm really interested again. And if the stuff with Red Velvet is as high end as this, they've saved yet another act. Tony Khan is uh, back up. He's absolutely back up in business if this year and the last three or four weeks have been any indication. What a Jesus month it's been Christ. for him. Yeah, he's been awesome. Jaguars won the uh, AFC South. 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 Was it? Yeah. This was... Beat the Titans, I think it was, over the weekend. Yeah. This is... Uh, <laughs> this, was, this was kind of just there until the comeback and finish, but what a comeback and finish. That she looked kick, like man. a goddamn predator. A killing machine that it doesn't matter if it's like... If you if you wrestle like um, you smoke going through a keyhole, she'll still grab onto you. <laughs> she will still make you into a physical form and splat that physical form face first against the canvas. Great, great finish. The timing. Again, the ideas that are pulsing through this organization, the thought, the craft, the inspiration, is exactly what I want out of my pro wrestling. And this these two hours just delivered delivered it to me in spades. Yeah, Jacksonville Jaguars, nine and eight in the AFC South. They uh, top the group. Uh, so the four, North, South, East, West. Yeah. Go to uh, a semifinal. Well, it's... You got the AFC and the NFC, so it's all very it's very complicated. All I know is that my team, the Indianapolis Colts, went four and twelve this year. So I don't. Let me just do some maths. I don't think they'll be making the playoffs. Why do you support the Colts? Uh, the lad who got me into American football supported the Colts when the Colts were really good as well. So he's like, "I support this team. You should support them too." And they had Peyton Manning at QB. Tell you what, NFL guys. They're really supportive and encouraging to try and get you into it because it must be the best thing ever. People who love this sport yeah. love it. And I think, like, they really want... I remember in a, on my honeymoon in San Francisco, and I'll tell you a little bit of an addendum to the story when we leave. Um, this incredibly handsome all-American boy was at the bar, and the NFL was on, and I was just there with my wife, and uh, we were just watching... And he was just so nice. Yeah. And he was so helpful in laying out the rules and the implications of certain plays. And he was just just trying earnestly to get us into it and saying it was great. So good. It's and, and you, When you get into like, this is the time of the year that I get into it. Normally with my Colts, but, well, not very normally in the last uh, decade, let's be honest. Uh, but, yeah, Jaguars into the wild card round of the playoffs, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers, who I uh, saw a bit of, and they look... Uh, Pretty hot this year. Main event time. You got a team you pick? No. If you had to pick a team. Um, one of my mates got into the Baltimore Ravens. I think Ravens is one of the cooler names, and he was a big fan of the Wire, as am I. Yeah. So maybe the Ravens. Ravens are in the uh, wild card, uh, playing what the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. It's so like a WWE last chance match. It's a bit like... Uh, like if Explain it to me in real football terms. Or is that not possible? Well, you know, uh, I'm going to have to go deep here. You know, in the National League, no, where you have one automatic um, promotion and then six playoff spots, but the top two get a bye. 
and then the bot the next four play each other for the right to play those teams. It's right. a bit like that. Okay. So there's a few teams that just get a bye into the later rounds. So like imagine if they said So it all seems very generous to yeah, me. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have an FA Cup, but um these teams are so good that they're just straight into the quarterfinals, basically. It's far too generous. So and there's, then, there's no drama there. Mm. I like my all or nothing drama. If you're not good enough, you don't compete. What was that Chris Wood miss, by the way, at the weekend? Oh my god. Like uh, sorry. <laughs> I I feel bad for him. I think that because he wasn't Mbappe, I don't think the Newcastle United fan base is very unreasonable. And there's a bad egg element to every single fan base. Mm-hmm. But like Chris Wood, we weren't going to sign Mbappe. That was unrealistic. And I think he was a. If I we got it was a good signing at the if time. If we got like a 25 million speedster from like Valencia, I think people would have been like, oh, well, you know, fashionable club, different. Forward profile, give him a shot because Chris Wood is like he kind of throw back strong, mm. holds the line, retains possession, centre forward. He was very unfashionable, but he had a better goal record at the time than Marcus Rashford when we signed him. And let's not forget, he doesn't have it anymore. To be incredibly cynical, you were in a relegation battle yeah. back then, and you took him off a team that aren't in the Premier League anymore. It was almost Vincian. Yeah, it was almost Vince McMahon style. Spite and cleverness. But uh, he's finished now. I don't think he'll be forgiven for that miss. I don't think he'll last in the next season. I just feel sorry for him. Yeah. Um, but I was furious with him at the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Stokely Hathaway. 20% of me. Yeah. 20% of me was furious with Chris Wood. Stokely Hathaway says... Uh, jungle- and then I got over it because I can't have the same emotional investment. Jungle Hooker, a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Uh, um... They're forced to be reckoned with. LA is where entertainers go to die, and they're going to put their opponents in the dirt, which all I could think of was, I'm going to beat your dick into the dirt. I like the uh, line about LA, because that's true. A lot of failures there. Yeah. Good. Uh, And then just before the main event, it was uh, a little uh, vignette with Ruby Soho and Willow Nightingale. They're going to fight TJ this Friday in a street fight, and Ruby was like, I know you can, you, I think got an idea where you can shove that hockey stick, Willow. Willow doesn't strike me. I'm sure she's going to be great in it, but she seems too nice for a street fight. I just, they won't go Bailey with her, though, so that's good. Yeah. TJ in Street Fight Law. I like that. It's very good. It's guaranteed to be wild. Like, it's going to be one of those where, well, I'll save it for the preview. Yes. All going well. Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian for the All Atlantic title in the main event of Battle of the Belts. And we talked about this a lot in the preview. Is the lore of this made me very... The build. Yeah, the, the the developments that we've seen over the recent weeks and months made me think, there's a chance here that the title could change hands. And Kip Sabian uh, wrestled like there was going to be a title change, basically. He went in with a genuinely quite good strategy of winding up the laid-back bloke, basically. And it worked. He kept running away, so, so Orange Cassidy couldn't really build anything. He sat on the outside... And put some sunglasses on and sang Zombie. He, yeah, just kept, just, any time that it looked like going to get a bit of fun back and forth, he did the, well, Jay White, basically. He slid out there and then was like, whoa, what's going on? When the bunny came down to ringside to stop Orange Cassidy uh, alongside uh, Penelope Ford from uh, attacking him. And then they immediately partnered chins Orange Cassidy, basically. Um, Sabian takes control and they do the reverse 
of the best friend's hug. Um, Danhausen goes to curse him. <laughs> the best thing of course, Danhausen goes, he does his whole thing, props the ground up. And then Kip Sabian's doing his best Scott Hall, like, ooh, and I just bites Danhausen's hand when he tries to curse him. Um, and then he counters a spinning DD attempt on the, DDT on the, te- DDT attempt on the floor uh, with a neck breaker. And Cassidy does his best Will Ospreay impression, basically. Oh, my fucking neck! Trying not to get you to beep. Yeah, we're doing well today. Uh, Sabian uh, goes after Cassidy in the corner, hits him with a cannonball, goes for it a second time, but Orange Cassidy gets out of the way. um, And they fight on the turnbuckles, and Cassidy ends up superplexing Kip Sabian to the mat. Um, He's setting up for the orange punch, so the bunny grabs his leg. Danhausen gets the referee's attention and points that out. Buddy, Bunny, you are out of there. But immediately, as soon as she walks back, out comes the butcher and the blade. Danhausen tries to fight them off and just gets his ass handed to him, basically. And they walk down to ringside and pull up some chairs. Hey, we're just watching. We're just watching, guys. Um, they exchange strikes to Kip Sabian and Orange Cassidy in the ring. Sabian does the Cassidy strike. Cassidy's the hard-hitting one here. Yeah. Sabian's doing the chops and the kicks. And Cassidy's like, don't get it. No, forearms. Um, Sabian is luring Cassidy in, uh, hits him with a headbutt, knee strike, gets him a near fall, another near fall off a, an inverted falcon arrow into a cradle, chucked Cassidy out to the floor, Butcher and the Blade look like they're just going to pick the bones, basically, but out come the best friends to take them out. That saves Orange Cassidy. Um, and Cassidy comes off the top, goes for a diving DDT, but Sabian brilliantly counters into a spinning neck breaker for a two count. Um, Sabian hits the orange punch Cassidy doesn't go down um, Sabian goes for it again Cassidy catches him spinning DDT PK beach break one two kick out from Kip Sabian so Cassidy starts stomping Cabian, stomping Sabian in the corner uh, the ref tries to pull him off orange Cassidy shoves down the referee which what, why I presume this just so it gives Kip Sabian an out so he says well, you should oh, probably hope that this is as good as it gets. I, yeah. Actually, you know what? He can work a six-star match in AEW. That's how on form this company is right yeah. now. Um, Sabian goes for a roll-up with the ref distraction of all that. Uh, but Cassidy kicks out. Pair of orange punches. One, two, three. Uh, yeah. I'm prone to hyperbole. But on the form of these two hours, in the expert, just shockingly great use of resource here, that if they were to say, right, okay... Don't ruin this week's. But next week's Dynamite, two-hour Iron Man match between uh, Luther and Matt Hardy. <laughs> I've that right. Okay, let's go. They can do it. They can do it. <laughs> yeah. My God, like, getting me excited and just over-delivering two awesome shows yeah. on which Jay Lethal, Kip Sabian, and Mike Bennett were a fairly major part. It's unbelievable booking. It's unbelievable promotional prowess. Um, this match was just great and look very, very good. Not great, but very, 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 very good. Real pleasant surprise. Like, I think Kip Sabian's character is rotten. I think his performance of it is so fake. And the idea is that he's meant to be this incredibly fiendishly clever supervillain who's... What sort of supervillain? I think they even compared him to one on commentary. Um, dead joker, baby. Like... It's so hack. It's so try. It's so um, baby's first independent heel <laughs> gimmick. And yet, 
I believed that he got in Cassidy's head yeah. rent free. Yeah. That was the story. It's my least favorite story with one of my least favorite characters in AEW. And I thought he performed it very well. And I could not believe the success of this match. It was again just overflowing with thought. Yeah. The bit where he was actually riling Cassidy up and Cassidy like was hoisted by his own petard. And if you're gonna get lured into something, get lured in with that headbutt because it was so like it took my breath away. And I thought he's the new champion. Look, there's overbooked, and then there's book lots around a fairly not over, not credible act. And they measured the overbooking mm. air quotes. That headbutt made the match for me because it just not only was it the best possible execution of luring someone in, but it was so hard hitting that you thought, well, that's the match over. He's yes. the new All Atlantic title. Probably can't begrudge him for it. Um, just a very, very, very good over delivery. If you can, like, I'm always scared of how good the best Dynamites look on paper. I always remember the Dynamite after Blood and Guts. Remember that? Mm-hmm. When it was like, um, I can't remember what it was all over the car, but it was um, it was Miro, Darby, Allen. Mm-hmm. It was Pac versus Orange Cassidy, and there was something else. I was like, these five things, like, oh, my God, this is going to be the best thing ever. And then Cassidy Pack was a disaster because of the injury, oh, and yeah. Jericho sold to fall off the cell for one week, and they're like, hey, well, wacky guy spraying him with a champagne truck. And I, I'm always scared about how good the best dynamites look on paper, right? But if you can have this level of thought with this set of wrestlers, your Bennett's, your Sabians, your Lethals, if you can have this momentum, and then you've got your Danielsons, your Dikeshtas, your Moxleys, your Pages, your Elites, your Pax, your Pentas, your Phoenixes, Good God Almighty, yeah. the very best version of this week's Dynamite is the best TV sh- TV show of all time, provided that the trifecta is in play. And I'll say, again, a really backhanded compliment, considering how often last minute we say our watch back of, of Rampages, which is 45 minutes on a Sunday evening or a Monday morning or whatever, considering this was effectively two Rampages, and a long Rampage, Orange Cassidy hits the two orange punches, one, two, three, and I go, oh, it's over. It's over, eh? Which is the m- most ringing endorsement I can offer. Oh, my give to We usually take this as an obligation, yeah. rampage these days. What? Great two hours. Next week's looks great. This week's looks great as well with the stuff that you advertised here as well. So I can't wait for that. Anyway, let us know your thoughts on Rampage uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, me and Hamlet reviewing SmackDown is available right now. And me, Sidg, and Hamlet will be back a little bit later on today to look ahead to Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the Rampage Battle Brills. Foul review. Thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.